Oh, oh, oh. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. I'm 
מנוחה ושמחה, אור ליהודים. יום שבתון יום מחמדים, שומרה וזוכריו, הם המעידים. כי לשיש הכל פרועים ועומדים. שמי שמיים ארץ וימים, כל צבאם ארום גבוהים ורמים, תמים ואדם וחיית רמים, כי בישם צורון אבים, הוא אשר דיבר ועושה גולתו. שם עולקות שובבו ועצמתו, שבת קודש, יום חמדתו, כי בו שבת אל מכל רחדו, במצוות שבת אל יחליצך, קוקרא אליו יחיש לארצך. נשמח כל חי וגם נריצח. אכול בשמחה כי כבר רצח. ונשנה לכם וקידוש ורוח נדירה. יזכו לרב טובה בביאת גורם ולחיי העולם הבא נשמת כל חי וגם נערים 
I refuse to get the uh, weather uh, report today. <laughs> I just, I figured psychologically I could deal with this uh, below freezing, crazy Arctic uh, weather if I completely ignore the weather forecast. <laughs> Is that a good strategy? <laughs> it's not making me any warmer, I can tell you that much. Uh, Friday morning on this 24th of January, the 23rd of Shvat, and it is freezing. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a JM in the AM Friday Erev Shabbos. That's uh, Yitzchak Fuchs with uh, Menucha Vesimcha here at JM in the AM. Um, where am I here? Uh, I just lost my playlist. Hang on a second. I don't know how that happened. Here we go. Uh, Menucha Vesimcha. Ozva Hadar done by Soul Farm. The New York Boys Choir had Meloch. Shalom from the new Sinai Sound. Sally Gold had Ivdu. Joy is in the air. Great medley from the brand new Benny Friedman, Benehe Chala CD. A Shabbos of Benny Friedman. Yaakov Shweki with the title track to Kolot. Rumors swirling about a Yaakov Shweki concert in the New York area at some point in the next month or two. Rumors swirling. And uh, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. JM in the AM, welcome and thank you for joining us here on a Friday at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web at jmintheam.org. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Mishpatim with candle lighting time at 4.44 on this era of Shabbos. That's easy to remember for people in this area. 4.44. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh uh, tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Adar 1, will be um, Friday and Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh Adar 1 will be Friday and Shabbos. When is Parsha Shkolem? 
When do we start with Parsha Shkolem? When is that? And why don't I have it here? Oh, it's a while. We don't get to Parsha Shkolem. Holy cow. We don't get to Parsha Shkolem until, uh, until March 1st. Until, uh, Shabbos of Parsha's Pekude. Vayakel Pekude are not together this year. How do you like that? Boy, what you learn from, uh, listening into, J- what I learned when I listened to JM in the AM. That's amazing. Anyway, uh, Friday morning candle lighting at 4.44. Well, Ben Shosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh will be Friday and the Shabbos of next week. And, um, and there you have it. What is the, in, in all seriousness now, just taking a look at the, it's 11 degrees outside. 11 degrees outside. Wow. The high today, 18. The low tonight, 14. Tomorrow for Shabbos, I think the heat wave is coming in because according to the uh, weather forecast, tomorrow we get up to 29 degrees. Wow. All right. Could you imagine 29 degrees coming up? Temperatures, high temperatures predicted for Sunday, 19. Then Monday's a drop better. Then Tuesday, a high of 17, a wind chill, excuse me, a low temperature of 3 degrees. That's for Tuesday. On Wednesday, a low temperature of minus 1. Uh, Thursday, Friday, things start to heat up a bit. We'll get to 35 on Super Bowl Sunday, it says here. 35 degrees with some snow showers. Oh, that would be interesting. A Super Bowl with some snow, that would be an interesting game. I guarantee you it won't affect our halftime show. Our halftime show is going to be amazing. Completely unaffected by the weather. All you got to do is go to my website right after the first half of the Super Bowl and see the kosher halftime show that everybody seems to be talking about. Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock will be performing. And it's going to be a pretty amazing show, let me tell you. 17 minutes before 7 o'clock. Malcolm Homeline, one hour from now with what we call the weekly update. We'll check out what's been happening in the world of current events, especially as it affects the Jewish world. Weekly update coming up one hour from now right here at JM and the AM. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15. Naomi Nachman at 9 o'clock on the stream at jmtheam.org with an amazing show called Table for Two. Phenomenal Erev Shabbos music all day long. And I mean all day long. Erev Shabbos music. All you got to do is uh, log on to jmtheam.org. Our friends at Kedem power that entire system. And they make sure that everybody enjoys great Erev Shabbos music every single Friday. And I thank them for that. It really is a, uh, a phenomenal service that they provide for the community. Uh, JM in the AM as we continue here at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County, 91.9 FM. Round the world on the web, jmintheam.org with Lipa. Hashem, 
Avramel with Tyra is the bestest Chayra. Benny Friedman, B'nai Hechalo off a Shabbos with Benny Friedman. Ohad had Nivan Siach. It's an Aaron Teitelbaum production on YouTube from a recent wedding. Really beautiful. Lipa with No Dela Shimcha. Friday morning, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91. Point nine on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Hey, a special good morning and a Shabbat Shalom to Cousin Moshe at the uh, Naim Kosher Restaurant on 15th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Say hi when you walk in, folks. Galaitzal Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMNAM. ראש הממשלה נתניהו צפוי למסור בשעה הקרובה הודעה לתקשורת לסיכום הוועידה הכלכלית בדבוס, שהייתה המושג גם בנושאים מדיניים. נתניהו נועד הבוקר בשולי הוועידה עם שר החוץ של ארצות הברית ג'ון קרי. חברי פורום BTI, אנשי עסקים המקדמים את המסע ומתן הישראלי-פלסטיני, ייבקשו עם קרי אחרי הצהריים. שליחתנו לוועידה יונה לייבזון שמע את חבר הפורום, האלוף במילואים דני רוטשילד, לשעבר מתאם הפעולות בשטחים. ואנחנו היינו רוצים להתעדכן איפה עומד התהליך. המסר העיקרי זה שצריך להמשיך קדימה. צריך לעשות צעדים קונקרטיים לכיוון של שלום, ורק אם נעשה שלום אפשר יהיה אחר כך לחיות במדינה הזאת כמו שאנחנו רוצים לחיות, ולא כמו שאנחנו חיים בהכרח היום. כשבוע שהסוכנות הבינלאומית לאנרגיה אטומית יוקיה אמנו קורא למדינות החברות בארגון לתמוך בהגברת הפיקוח על מתקני הגרעין באיראן. כתבתנו נעמה ארטשיק. אמנו אמר היום בוועידה של 35 המדינות החברות בסוכנות הגרעין הבינלאומית כי יישום ההסכם הינו צעד חשוב בדרך להסכם קבע, אך לדבריו ישנה עוד דרך ארוכה ללכת. השבוע החל יישום הסכם הביניים שנחתם בין טהרן לשש המעצמות על תוכנית הגרעין שלה, הליך שדרש נוכחות מוגברת של פקחים בינלאומיים במתקנים. בין היתר בפורדו ובנתאנז. טטיאנה אדלשטיין, רעייתו של יושב ראש הכנסת יולי אדלשטיין, שהלכה לעולמה ממחלה קשה, הובאה למנוחות בשעה האחרונה בבית העלמין של גוש עציון. יולי אדלשטיין ספד לה בהתרגשות. מי שמכיר אותך, אבל בחודשים האחרונים לא רצית לראות אף אחד. שאלו אותי היום איך תפקדתי, אז הסוד נמצא כאן. אנחנו מאוד מאוד כולנו אוהבים אותך, בלי כל קשר עד כמה או שם. אדלשן בת 63 במותה הייתה פעילת עלייה ומורה לעברית בברית המועצות לשעבר בארץ, עבדה כמהנדסת ברשות התעופה האזרחית. טניס מחצי גמר אליפות אוסטרליה הפתוחה, המדורג ראשון בעולם, רפאל נדל, העפיל הגמר לאחר שגבר בתום שלוש מערכות על רוז'ה פדרר, המדורג שישי. התוצאה בסיום הייתה 7-6-6-3-6-3. כתבנו אלדר גילרן מוסר שנדל שזכה בטורניר בשנת 2009 התחרה בגמר נגד השוויצרי וברנקה. 
מזג האוויר עלייה בטמפרטורות, מחר יהיה נאה וחם מהרגיל לעונה. ומי הבוס במצרים? ראש הממשלה המצרי חזם בבלאווי מחמיא לשר ההגנה שמינה אותו הסיסי ורומז שהוא טוב ממובארק. ההבדל ביניהם גדול, לפני שמובארק עלה לשלטון איש לא הכיר אותו, אבל הגנרל הסיסי זוכה ללחץ עממי כבד לרוץ לנשיאות, לכן הוא דומה לגנרל הצרפתי הנערץ שרל דה גול או לנשיא האמריקני אייזנאואר. דברי ראש ממשלת מצרים אתמול באירוע סגור בדבוס, שמהם הביא כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. אלה החדשות שערך עידו כהן, בצוות נטע קינד ואבי כהן.
JM in the AM. Friday morning with uh, Yaakov Shweki, Bowie Vishalom off of the Live in Nokia CD. That's a, actually a double album, which is uh, pretty remarkable, frankly. Lots of great material. The Willig family on Lave Avos with Ilu Finu, Eighth Day and Your Name, off of the brand new Hula CD, opening up the 7 o'clock hour. It's Friday, JM in the AM on this January the 24th, the 23rd of Shvat. I know a lot of folks got back to the New York area last night or early this morning after vacation. So what do you think of the weather? <laughs> what do you think of the conditions out there? Especially if you've landed from some warm weather spot. I'll tell you, they're talking about this type of weather for the next few days. 11 degrees right now, mostly sunny with a high of 18, partly cloudy, low 14 tonight. Scattered snow showers and windy weather for tomorrow. We'll get into the high 20s, but then back into about the uh, 11 degree range for tomorrow night. Yerushalayim is at 70. We're at 11 degrees here on a, um, a JMAM Friday. It's Erev Shabbos. We'll do our uh, weekly update coming up about 20 minutes from now. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. Talk about some of the things happening in this amazing world of ours, uh, especially over this past week. Uh, Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 this morning with our Torah portion of the week. It is, in fact, Parshas Mishpatim with candle lighting at 4.44. We're going to uh, bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph will be Friday and Shabbos next week. Friday and Shabbos next week, Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph. Uh, coming up on... Uh, Table for two, Naomi Nachman, 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM and the AM on our stream at jmandtheam.org. She says it's Australia Day next week. So she's dedicating her show to the occasion of Australia Day. The rabbinic administrator of the Kosher Authority of Australia and New Zealand, Rabbi Moshe Gutnick, and Rabbi Aaron Groner are both going to be on with Naomi. Also, Judy Kempler, author of the cookbook one egg is a fortune and finally uh, david wallace of uh, eddie's kosher travelers they'll all share how we uh can tour australia uh appreciate australia and learn more about australia the ironic thing is that in australia it's already shabbos <laughs> so nobody could hear that show in australia but a good part of the rest of the world can it's coming up at nine o'clock eastern right after the uh JM and the AM program. You can hear it on jmandtheam.org in our live stream. That's Naomi Nachman, who every week does a spectacular show. Friday morning, JM and the AM. Reminder, right after Naomi Nachman, the amazing Jewish music stream is taken over by Erev Shabbos Selections, courtesy of our friends at Kedem, who keep it going. I want to thank them, and I want to thank Mark Zamek, who continues to load in some amazing Erev Shabbos Selections. There are people who at 10 o'clock Eastern time turn on our stream in their car, their office, at home, and it just keeps on going all the way until candle lighting time. If you're one of those, we say thank you from all of us here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
Shema 
Get up. 
JM in the AM. That's the um, Achenu CD with Kadshenu. You heard Shalshelas and Anam Zmiros off their brand new Connections album. Ari Goldwag Menucha Vesimcha from Amechad. Baruch Levine had Hashivenu off of the Modim CD. Candle lighting at 444 in this Arab Shabbos Parshas Mishpatim. Listen to this email I just got from Israel. <laughs> I'll tell you. People love torturing me about the weather, I can tell you that much. Uh, I arrived in Israel yesterday morning. I'm driving on Kvish Sheish, listening to JM in the AM. We are having gorgeous weather in Israel, the air conditioning blasting away. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom to everyone freezing in New York. All right, thank you. <laughs> I'm just happy to listening on Kvish Sheish, frankly. Candle lighting, 444, Erev Shabbos, Parshish Mishpatim. We will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Adar 1. Will be Friday and Shabbos of next week. Reminder, Saturday night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern time on our stream at jmandam.org. Reminder, Matis hosts JM Sunday from Frigid, New Jersey. Uh, tomorrow, I should say Sunday morning. That's more accurate. Sunday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern time on the stream, jmandam.org. And that is repeated late at night. Sunday night, also on our stream at jmnam.org. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend to their readers our live stream, including the incredible Erev Shabbos music mix that goes from 10 a.m. Eastern time all the way until uh, candle lighting time. You should make sure to tune in and enjoy. <clears throat> it is a uh, phenomenal way, if not the absolute best way, to prepare for Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning to you. Less traveling for you this uh, Friday, unlike last Friday when you were in the uh, hustle and bustle of getting from the airport. Well, tomorrow night again back to Israel and to Auschwitz on on. Uh, oh, that's right. You're part of the big uh, Knesset ceremony on Monday. Right. I'm speaking at the, the dinner there. That is going to. I can't wait till next Friday to hear your review of that. I'm sure you're anticipating a very symbolic and very moving uh, uh, ceremony over there. Well, it's an historic event. It's never been done, and uh, you have the congressional delegation going, led by Eric Cantor, right, uh, from the House, and you have people coming from all over Europe. Well, the rumor still is that you're heading out early tomorrow, uh, right after Shabbos, to escape the freezing conditions and get to the beautiful weather in Israel. That's what the that's what the rumor on the yeah, street is. Warm up in Krakow, right? Well, <laughs> I didn't say Krakow is going to be like that, <laughs> but a day or two of a respite in Jerusalem would be bad. I'll tell I'll you that be, much. I'll be I'll be in Israel for about six hours. Hmm. Yeah. Just enough time to Fly warm up right away. Uh, the Cairo bombings from this morning. Who's responsible for them? Well, it's likely to be uh, the Muslim Brotherhood an off, or an offshoot of Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, certainly the people in Egypt are going to blame the Muslim Brotherhood. I don't believe it's the government that did this because their interest right now is in stability following the uh, passage of the Constitution, the upcoming election for president. So the, their, their interest is not to have this kind of disruption. And you see the angry reaction on the streets and the, the calling for... Uh, killing or going after the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, so I think the, the likelihood is it, but it's not. It's not a conclusion you can draw now because there are enough other groups operating in the Sinai, uh, including Al Qaeda-linked groups that. 
could carry out such an attack. So essentially, they had their chance, right? The Muslim Brotherhood essentially had their chance. If they would have handled things a bit differently, they could still uh, be in the influential position of leading Egypt at this point. And they lost that opportunity, and now they're angry about that. And they see that Egypt is heading, I don't know if you'd agree with this, you'll tell me, is heading toward a somewhat more of a stable situation, constitution, upcoming elections, etc., and they're angry about that. Well, I, I wouldn't say stable in regard to Egypt. Uh, well, first of all, you're right, they blew the opportunity when Morsi was elected, and they had uh, command of, of all of the elements of government. They could have done what they wanted. They replaced the leadership of the army. They, they took over all the key ministries. Right. And they overplayed their hand, and they never represented a majority. A lot of this, as we discussed at the time, uh, were really false uh, figures in the sense of the percentage of people who voted, the feeling of the rural areas, etc. And, um, I mean, the Muslim Brotherhood had perhaps 25%, 20% of the following. They, the government under LCC has effectively moved to decapitate the movement, to arrest many of the members, and to to of the leadership and to uh, to quiet down the movement, it do, hasn't disappeared. It's going to be there. They can cause a lot of problems, but the stability will only come when the economy reaches some much better level of productivity. When you have unemployment still running, forty fifty percent, the fifty percent of people make less than two dollars a day, and there's been no real turnaround. Is it possible? I mean, I, I know it takes sometimes years, as we see in countries like ours, but is it possible that they could reach a point of economic uh, stability? It's possible, but it's not probable in the near future, and it's the instability there. They, they are still fighting against uh, the uh, elements in, in, uh, in Sinai and effectively doing so, but they have the second and third armies tied up there, or at least part of the third army, and also, they, they have been effective in, in Gaza, where the um, Hamas has said alone that they closed about a 1,000 tunnels, and they have lost, uh, I think, a, a monthly income of about $240 million in taxes on the, quote, smuggling, smuggled items, which is funny in and of itself. But the, the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the increased uh, violence from there and the possibility... Um, that Israel will have to take much stronger action uh, when you've had 20 rockets uh, fired uh, into Israel in a short period of time. And uh, and all of 2013, I think there were 40 altogether. So these three weeks into 2014, having had half that total, and uh, you remember when last week when six rockets were fired at mm-hmm. uh, at Ashkelon, right. and the Iron Dome prevented what could have been a major escalation, and Israel's gone back to targeting some of those responsible, hitting those who, who have fired these missiles. Um, but it, it, they're making preparations all the time, Hamas, according to reports, including test firing uh, longer range uh, missiles which because of the restrictions on imports, they are making now at home, inside Gaza, M75 rockets, which can unfortunately hit the middle of Tel Aviv and even to Jerusalem. Uh, the Reuters report said Israel killed two Gaza terrorists in airstrike Wednesday, saying one of them was responsible for firing rockets across the border during Ariel Sharon's funeral last week. And they're doing the same thing that Hezbollah, they're putting the rockets inside multi-story buildings, or under them, 
and they have cameras on the top of minarets and water towers to gather intelligence, and they are building these underground tunnels, which cost about a million dollars each. Right. So they always cry and complain that they have no money, and Israel is, you know, denying them income, etc., which is clearly not true. They're dependent on Israel today because Egypt has closed the crossings. Uh, that they, that uh, this could be uh, a front, and you see the continued incitement. You see that the uh, and how the youth are being uh, exhorted to, to violence, and this inevitably leads to, to these kind of, to, to an explosion. Yeah, th- this is not a, a a crying over spilled milk of disengagement, but it, you've always spoken about the domino effect of different things in the Middle East, and, and yet you'd have to admit, I think you're saying this, that things would likely be different if uh, if Israel, in fact, would not have given up control of whatever they did have control of in the Gaza Strip. I mean, you see how. How it's affecting how how Hamas taking over, and terrorists in general taking over to the extent they have has affected the economy of Egypt, has affected the security of Egypt, and obviously has affected the uh, increased rocket fire on Israel. But you see how even Egypt is suffering because of what happened there. But Egypt has a much freer hand in in being able to act. You know, the world doesn't hold Egypt accountable for carrying out the military actions against. Uh, either in Sinai or in Gaza, as they do Israel. If Israel had closed all the access routes to, to Gaza, then you would have heard this uh, wild outcry of indignation, etc. I mean, the same thing with the PA, the same thing we see in Iran. You know, you have hundreds and hundreds of executions, right. wild since Rouhani's election, or the so-called moderate and the, the new face. And you see very tepid reaction. Finally, this the last couple of days, people have started talking about it. Uh, because of the talks in Geneva, but in fact, it, it is not true. And the the um, the danger also you have is the spread of the uh, elements from within Gaza, let's say to the West Bank, or the report that the uh, at, that there was an attempted attempt to bomb the U.S. embassy in uh, Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. first identified with an Al Qaeda group by some intelligence uh, units. They were recruited, they said, in Gaza by al-Zawahiri, the, the inheritor of, uh, of Osama bin Laden. And there were also going to be attacks on Bin Yenei Huma, the convention center in Jerusalem, simultaneous uh, to the attack in, uh, in Tel Aviv. And there were to be multiple uh, attacks. They arrested three people there. Five were going to come in on fake Russian passports. So it was a pretty sophisticated uh, operation. But when you have the ability to, to recruit, as you can in Gaza, openly... And uh, there also were other things, you know, where they found in, in uh, Hebron um, two Palestinians who, who were arrested this week with a big uh, weapons cache in their, in their home, including the Uzi submachine gun and an M16 rifle. Uh, these are all things that can't just happen. You have to have some support system, even though obviously an individual can always acquire a weapon. There was a Jerusalem uh, Post article this morning that I saw that the United States officials are downplaying the plot to bomb the embassy. What's the value of that? Why not highlight what al-Qaeda was trying to do to the U.S. embassy in Tel Aviv? Well, they, they are raising doubts, some questions about whether it is in fact al-Qaeda and whether this was a, a rogue operation, and that's something that only time will tell, and we have to find out more details. So I think that the warning is never to, to go too far ahead of the story, because when you have to pull it back, it's a lot harder, also you don't want to create panic. Um, but, uh, you know, 
it's surprising how fast they reacted that way. Yeah. How'd they find them, by the way? How'd they uh, quell the uh, operation? I don't know. I mean, that was a Shinbet operation, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Rough week in Israel, by the way. Tragedies all around with the, uh, the pesticide, uh, deaths that we saw in Yerushalayim and the, uh, the building explosion in Gilo. It was, uh, Keep hearing. I mean, you know, in the old days, you didn't hear everything till weeks or months later, if at all. You know, these days with the web, we're uh, uh, hearing the uh, the news that uh, comes out of Israel and everywhere, and you know, we're immediately hit with so much, uh, so many bad episodes this week. It is true, and it's uh, the the, tra- the tragic situation with the pesticide, where I think people were using what was meant to be an industrial pesticide meant for the uh, outside because it, it reacts to open air. And they were using it in a home, and we'll have to find out whether that was negligence on the part of those who sold it, those who used it. But whatever, the tragedy is terrible. On the uh, positive side, uh, give us your overview of the Prime Minister of Canada and his visit to Israel. I I wish members of our community spoke about Israel the way he does. Uh, He said one sentence there, that either we stand up for the uh, existence of a free, democratic, and distinctively Jewish state, or the retreat of our values and interests in the world will begin. And it's a message that, uh, you know, obviously resonated in Canada, although there were a lot of critics uh, of him, and it's a very partisan situation generally in in Canada uh, about Harper. But his speech in the Knesset, the remarks of the foreign minister, and the attack on the delegitimization campaign, they're... You know, his, his, he started singing and playing um, <laughs> instruments, you know, when yes. <laughs> at the dinner in his honor. Um, so he has a future if he ever is not prime minister. Well, I don't know. If you saw the video like I did. It wasn't I, good. Yeah, I don't know if you'd say he has a future in that area, but all right. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm praying that this trip didn't hurt him politically. <laughs> because it may be the only place where he'll still have a job. But you'll play his record on game in the end. Do you think that it hurt him politically, this trip back home? I didn't even think no, of that. I, I, well... He's seen as very pro-Israel, so in part, the numbers in Canada, by the way, on pro-Israel uh, interviews, uh, uh, polls, are not that good. In fact, right. more than a half of the Canadian people express negative views towards Israel. In part, that's the, the French uh, sector and legacy, but in part, those who are against Harper, because he's so identified with Israel, express uh, opinions that sometimes are hostile towards Israel. Uh, but Canada, as, as a rule, has been amazingly supportive. And you know that they lost the seat, the nomination for a seat on the Security Council because they were seen as too pro-Israel. At least that's the lore about it. Uh, but and, and I know for sure that there's some truth to it. Whether it's the only reason or not, is, uh, we don't know. But the, the Canada's assertiveness, and, and by the way, you hear it more from other people. When I was in Israel last week, the president of Sri Lanka was there. Hmm. I doubt very much if, very, if many of your listeners <laughs> know where it is or that it existed. It used to be called Ceylon, and it's a country in transition. And I met the president in September when he came to the United Nations. And in discussion, he said, so what do you think I should do? I said, visit Israel. And sure enough, there he is. And I got invited to the state dinner, and he acknowledged it. <laughs> uh, but you see a country like that. Now you got to go visit Sri Lanka. <laughs> uh, well, I'm absolutely going. 
and it's it's critical geopolitically. Anybody will look on the map, just look below India, and it's a country that just emerged from a civil war against the Tamil Tigers, and you know gets criticized for the human rights records rather than praised for the fact of how far they've moved the country. Uh, Tatiana Edelstein passed away, wife of the Speaker of the Knesset. And I also noticed that uh, Shulamit Aloni passed away. And the reason I noted is because when I was growing up, Malcolm, the symbol of everything that was wrong in Israel in my home was Shulamit Aloni. <laughs> I mean, her name must have come up in any conversation having to do with, uh, with, with, with those who are trying to harm Israel from the inside, quote unquote. You know what I mean. I'm not, I'm being a little too harsh in the way I'm describing it. But, uh, certainly a figure that many people had to deal with in Israel. Yeah, she's one of those legendary characters. Uh, she was heard on all the issues. I, I know full well what you're... Yeah. <laughs> but the younger people here, they wouldn't even know who she is. Right. She's 86 years old, I think. Unbelievable. Yeah, definitely somebody who uh, had an impact on my childhood as I was growing up. Uh, all right, so Israel is... Um, at the World Economic Forum, correct? Oh, by the way, I gotta ask you this because you just mentioned it about the Security Council and Canada's possibility. Uh, to overstate the obvious, I hope I'm right, Israel's never been a member of the Security Council, correct? Israel, no. Okay. Do you know that a group of students toured the UN last week? High school students, and we're told by the tour guide, that it's likely that soon Israel will become a member of the Security Council. Now, is that ridiculous, or is there a possibility? Israel has applied. You apply years in advance, and it's rotated amongst different, you know, different uh, sectors. So Israel is part of the West European and other group, which is one of the regional groupings. Each of those groupings nominates, I think, two candidates. Uh, the well, the WIAC certainly nominates two candidates, and. There's one that I think was in a, assumed, and Israel was in line. This is, I think, for 2017 or later. And now Germany announced that it is a candidate for the seat, and obviously I think Germany would beat Israel in the vote. Uh, there was some support for Israel's um, potential membership on the Security Council. It would be a big boost. Uh, oh, so it's not it's crazy. Not, not out of question. Right, so it's not crazy. All right, very good. So, I mean, that's something, you know, sometimes you always, you always, sometimes we stress how other people should be doing our bidding. So it would be a good, th you would hope that they would become a member of the Security Council or it's better to stay off? Uh, no, I think it's a recognition and it would uh, counter some of the isolation, uh, isolationists, those who seek to isolate Israel. Um, you know, it means that you have to vote on issues and take decisions. Right. But uh, it's, it, you know, countries vie for it. Yeah, I guess it's very prestigious, that's for sure. Uh, that's one of the reasons that it piqued my curiosity when I heard they could possibly become a member. World Economic Forum. So what happens? Rouhani shows up, and he, he literally sits there like you'd be at an economic convention and tries to pitch business to different countries? He tries to pitch business. He tries to give the impression of... <laughs> that they're breaking the isolation and there are many groups going. The United States, in fact, now is trying to, to create a counter image of the erosion of, of the sanctions regime and um, even uh, made some public statements in, in the last few days about, um, uh, about uh, doing business with Iran. Uh, administration officials um, increased their efforts to, to, uh, 
try and counter what is seen as a rush of, of co- companies and of delegations from various countries to uh, to go to Iran. In fact, they announced a $152 million settlement with a with Clearstream Banking, which is based in Luxembourg, and uh, they're going to do other things, I think, to try and do some symbolic acts. But the fact is that Rouhani uh, was was well-received, even though his comments there uh, contradicted everything that the administration had said, that they, he said that we're not, um, we're, we're in negotiations with the U.S., and we want results, not words. He said that we're not going to dismantle a single centrifuge, we're not going to take down anything nothing will be destroyed um, and uh, he's fighting against the Iran revolutionary guard efforts against him in his own country so he has to put on the show of, of toughness but i think one should should accept the fact that he's telling the truth this is exactly yeah. what uh, what they believe and how they're approaching uh, the deal right now so any sh- any shocks in terms of who agreed to meet with him at the forum not that we know of now uh, but you, you saw this week how the foreign minister uh, w- went too far, and then in regard to the Geneva talks on Syria, and said that you know they will not accept the removal of Assad. Then Ban Ki Moon had to rescind the invitation. That was uh, a slap at them. But they're happy to sit on the sideline because they continue to play the role. They also see uh, that the the petrochemical uh, sanctions are being lifted, the auto sanctions on auto parts, airplane parts, other things, all of which will, will boost the income and changes the mood at home. It, it doesn't have maybe as immediate a result in terms of huge jump in employment right away, but over time it will, and that bolsters their, their standing. And this, this idea keeps getting promulgated wider and wider that he is the moderate and he is the face of change. And we know, and if you listen to the statements, he still talks about the destruction of Israel. He talks about all the same you know, terrible lines of Ahmadinejad, except he smiles when he does. It. Right. Uh, Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, met with the Chinese Foreign Minister at the uh, at the forum. Uh, we know that the, um, the the Foreign Minister was in Israel last month. Uh, but in, in general, how would you describe the Israel-China relationship? It's budding. It, there are delegations every week. I met this week twice with uh, people connected to China, uh, interested in doing business, interested in expanding their ties. Um, just remember that when Israel and China together represent a market of two billion people, yeah, ninety nine percent of that is Chinese. But I think, but, I, I, think but I said together that, they they yeah. represent a huge opportunity, and they are crazy about Israeli technology. They right. they see themselves as the Jews of Asia. They feel a cultural connection. They they actually love to visit Israel. There are scores of graduate students from China studying in Israel. And you know that in most universities in China, there's a Jewish studies department. Um, I, I think I'm, I don't think I mentioned this last Friday. I think I mentioned it during our Tu B'Shvat special the day before. But I heard number one that th- there is a keen interest among the Chinese to purchase some of the largest companies of Israel. I mean, I'm talking about in the billions and billions of dollars, and not just for the product that they might be making. If I told you the name of the brand, I think you'd be shocked. But not just for the product that they make, but for that technology, to be able to import what they do technologically in Israel in production of their products to China. And it's so forward-thinking. I mean, <laughs> apparently, apparently according, to what I, according to what I was told, there are technologies that take 20 years to develop that the Israelis can do in two years when it comes to food production. 
So the the interest is just unbelievable. I don't think Netanyahu at this point has a choice but to try to forge an even better relationship with China, only because of the business that might be conducted between the two countries. Well, as you know, they vote against Israel in the UN. They're, they're, they're not, they haven't become uh, great friends in terms of the foreign policy, but in terms of the day-to-day relationship has really grown a lot. And what you just said is very significant. China has two great needs, food and energy. Mm-hmm. And they buy up any energy. That's why they deal with Iran, because they want to buy all the energy and are now looking at Israel because of the new fines in Israel and are trying to lock in, as are other countries, you know, on on the energy that they were producing, the surplus that is expected to be exported. The second need is food. You know that they have bought huge swaths of land in Africa, much to the consternation of, of African leaders because they take everything and bring it back to China. They don't do it for the benefit in, of the people in Africa and that they see it as purely exploitation. But one of the big issues is like post-harvest to, to keep things from rotting and how you deal with it. That's a big issue for the Africans and I think for China and they see in Israel where they've made such great advances or in the use of water. Israel this year would become water independent. That technology is something that the Chinese uh, want. But beyond that, in terms of the high-tech, many of the much of manufacturing of those high-tech products takes place in China. So it's a natural thing for them to, to want to buy into the companies, to invest. They want to do construction in Israel. They want to do joint ventures with Israelis. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, it means a lot. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a huge market. They have a lot of money. Uh, that they they can apply and and uh, at the same time we know that they they also deal with Israel's enemies. Someone told me that um, someone told me that uh, celebrities in this country who are only you know mildly known in China want their biographies translated into Chinese because if only the smallest of percentage of people in China buy the book we're ta- we're talking about millions of uh, of people buying it because that's how many people are in China so this market this Chinese market because of the numbers and their influence is just going to get bigger and bigger there's in fact a story uh, just this week about one of the Israeli companies I think it was called Evagene Seed Company that uses biotechnology or that creates plants that resist uh, pests and different kinds of stress, and another one that monitors um, uh, that that produces monitors that maintain quality and uh, consider they have things that deal with the needs of cows and everything else. Kalima is another company that was mentioned that increases the yield by ten to fifty percent, and these are just a few of the amazing things. You know, we read about the other high tech stuff when. Which, are, which is much more visible, either drugs or, or electronics. Right. But in fact, in, in the agricultural area, Israel has always been in the forefront with uh, from drip uh, irrigation to hydroponics, et cetera. But now these companies are doing amazing things. And when you think about it, uh, any forward-thinking company on the web has a Chinese website. And when you think about it, like, like the NBA has a Chinese website. You know, anybody who's even considering uh, getting into that market. Israel's not going to export any basketball players. Well, that's likely <laughs> true, yeah. Um, all right, uh, one chief rabbi or two, do you have any uh, strong opinion one way or the other as they propose that there should only be one chief rabbi in Israel? It will add to the unemployment, but that's, <laughs> uh, you know, that's an internal decision they have to make. I mean, do you think it makes a difference? Look, there was a reason why in the beginning, and you have, uh, I think, some continuing reasons for it. There's a lot of work for for them to do. But, uh, I mean, this I don't think is something you can implement right away. It will probably be done in time. But 
I, again, I don't know enough to make a judgment. Uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York defended New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo, who's come under endless criticism after telling a local radio station that extreme conservatives who are right to life, pro-assault weapon, or anti-gay have no place in the state of New York. Now, I'm not here to uh, go through each and every one of these categories with you in terms of who does or doesn't deserve, according to the governor or or um, or mayor, to be in New York. But, you know, when you see that uh, someone comes out with such a strong statement, and right-to-lifers, and there are many right-to-lifers in our community, as you know. I'm not even going to talk about uh, those who might be uh, pro-assault weapons or those who are, I mean, nobody in our community I don't think is anti-gay, but there's certainly people in our community who are anti-gay marriage. Uh, so does this disturb you when you see the leader of uh, New York City and New York State, the leaders, uh, make a very, very uh, harsh statement like this? Uh, again, uh, I'm not. Um, my field is uh, international and national stuff. I don't. I don't do that much about New York. I do know about what they said, and I, I always think that harsh statements, uh, when you heat up the rhetoric, it always has. Every action has a counteraction. Okay, I'll ask the question differently. Don't you think Jewish leadership in in the city of New York and state of New York should have been more vocal once these statements were made? People expected that. A stronger reaction or more visible reaction, I think, to some of the statements and some of the actions of others. You know, we've had members of Congress, one who represents a, a district with a significant Jewish population that was pictured with Farrakhan and, and Rouhani. It turns out he wasn't even aware of it because I confronted him yesterday about it. But, uh, you know, the fact that you don't get reaction when things like this happen, it, it only uh, further uh, exacerbates the problems that we're going to confront in the future. About the statements of the governor and the mayor, uh, again, I, I'm looking at other things that, the, that, frankly, we have so many areas from the Ukraine and, and its implications for the Jews there to the rise of the Salafis and, you know, the domestic problems belong to other organizations. Hmm. Um, on the subject of, uh, well, we'll get to Ukraine in a minute, but on the subject first of the Olympics, uh, so now there's an official video out with uh, responsibility taken for the bombings from a few weeks ago and with threats that the Olympic Games are going to be terrorized in Sochi, Russia. Uh, so who's the, I know it's an Islamic group and Islamic groups who are who are angry at at, uh, at Russia for the way that they react to Islamic um, um, uh, 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 people in you know different uh, countries around Russia. Uh, how seriously has this, is this threat? I mean, uh, is it possible they're going to be disrupting the Olympic Games with terror attacks? Absolutely. We remember Munich. We remember many other attempts in other places. And here you have an organized group. This is a, a relatively remote area in Suji. And uh, the, um, the, these are active uh, groups. It's, it's not, I think, one centralized operation like an al-Qaeda group, but these are cells which link together in, in the, I think they call it a family or some, they have some other uh, name for it, uh, and the, in, each cell operates independently, but they have a common leader, a guide that they look to, and, you, you know, in Russia, as I've discussed many times, has, has its own Muslim problem, and part of what it does with Iran and elsewhere is to buy them off and to buy off the pressure, the external pressure, for what they do in terms of suppressing that population. And here you have, they have this opportunity, and they warned them that if they brought the, um, the Olympics there, that they would carry out these activities. And supposedly there are three women already inside, so ready to, to, to act. Uh, so it, and, and 
I think more than a third of the tickets haven't been sold. And there are families that are saying they're not going to watch their own kids play in the Olympic Games. Yeah, because the kids say they don't want to be them. They don't want to be distracted, worrying about their families when they want to be focused on the games. But you would so never. Not so concerned about themselves. They think it's it's about uh, the distraction. But you would never encourage that. I mean, uh, that that's really caving into terrorism, right? Or terror threats? Yeah, but you know what? Russia does so much to support terrorist groups that it comes home to roost. That nobody should think that they're they're invulnerable to it. And maybe because they believe they're vulnerable to it, they do what they do sometimes. But you see, even even in Syria today, where Russians, dozens of Antonov uh, planes, these are their transport planes, are bringing armored vehicles, etc. They, they continue to, to trade and, and are, are just signed a $150 billion deal with Iran. They uh, they work with other uh, uh, groups and, and in other countries. So this is terrorism coming home to roost and and i think that uh, they have to look at the sources for this you know china has it too by the way in xinjiang province and they're fighting uh, islamists there so it's uh you know everybody is touched by it and uh, the russians uh, by the way turn to israel israeli security uh, services are helping them um, in in trying to deal with the security situation. Wow! And in the Ukraine, you mentioned. Uh, tell me how it is affecting the, the the riots in Kiev or affecting the Jewish community of the Ukraine. Well, as you know, there's been a rise of anti-Semitism in Ukraine of late, and there have been various manifestations and talks. Some of these the riots have at times taken on tinges of anti-Semitism, but with the end of the talks, we saw the rise of these demonstrations increase. White House is threatening uh, sanctions against the Ukraine. Uh, some Jews were warning that the people should remain quiet. The community should not get involved in this. Other leaders have gotten involved, uh, some because of their own political orientations from the past. It's not just something from, uh, you know, from from now. So it, it, it does pose the potential because any kind of disruption there can lead to, to increase in anti-Semitism. There was several stabbings. You remember a rabbi this past week, and uh, a student, a young man, uh, was attacked. And that was in Kiev? That was not in Kiev, but I'm saying in general in right. Ukraine. And in Kiev there has been an increase, and in, it was not something that was visible there for, for a long time. But certainly now it's uh, becoming uh, much more uh, noticeable. All right, have a safe trip to Israel. Monday you're in, uh, you're at Auschwitz with the uh, incredible group from the Knesset and, as you said, representatives of the U.S. government as well, International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and uh, very anxious to hear next week. Nahum, one thing I, I think we should mention, because we always talk about when, when all these attempts at delegitimization that we see, you know, the attacks on SodaStream, the attacks on Israel's legitimacy, challenging Israel's right, again, the Abbas uh, raised all sorts of questions, and I know what you're about to say. And they find the oldest inscription ever in the Hebrew language. Right. Going back to the 10th century BCE to, to, to the time of Shlomo HaMelech. <laughs> and, I mean, Absolutely. it's just so mind-blowing. I mean, people are worried about Justin Bieber getting arrested in Miami. When you have a story like this, which gets so little notice, when you have the, it took them a long time to decipher it, and it deals with lower-class wine that they probably served to people who worked outside the temple or uh, uh, guards or other people in the area, in it, but, it, but it, it shows the system that they had then, and it's in Hebrew. 
Now, when the United Nations takes up all these questions of the delegitimizing of Israel, saying we have no roots there, saying we have no connections to the place, when you see all of the campaigns to it, just like this, it's irrefutable. And again, people, I hope on Shabbos, talk to your kids, go and read the story, and tell them the significance of this, of where we come from, all of our heritage. It's right there. I, I, just to me, an amazing story, and, a, and the antidote to any of the depressing and other stories. We're, we're here, we were there for, for all these uh, hundreds of years, thousands of years, and we're going to be there. 100%. Malcolm, thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mishpatim, with candle lighting at 444 on this Erev Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Adar 1 will be Friday and Shabbos of next week. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Mishpatim. Pashas Mishpatim is such a rich parsha, containing, according to the Chinuch, no less than 53 mitzvot, 23 positive, and 30 losases, thou shalt not. And it contains within it the basis of our civil law, man to man, a lot of other laws as well between man and God. It is a very significant parsha, which, as I can say, is really the foundation of our law. Now, the interesting thing is the very first verse. How many extra letters in the Torah? So we know the answer. Not only are there no extra words, no extra letters, and these are the laws that you are to place before them. God says to Moshe, why the and? Rashi tells you, just as the previous parsha last week, we had the privilege of reading Parsha's Yisro, and the Ten Commandments were given at Sinai, so too these laws as well were given to the Jewish people at Sinai, namely, the element of the divine is contained therein. And that is a very significant point. I heard a very interesting interpretation of the word lifnehem. The literal understanding is that you are to place these laws, lifnehem, before the entire populace before the nation but I heard from one of my teachers the Fnehem which literally means before them meaning that Jewish law differs from other systems of law whereby in other laws there is the law and if one breaks the law that is what the law books are all about in our situation Lifnehem before one comes to break the law, one is to study the law, and lifnehem, the laws are to be not primarily punitive, a punishment, but preventative, to prevent a person from breaking the law. And so, I would like to demonstrate that the significance of these laws 
is not only to create a more harmonious society that man is going to get along better with his neighbor, but that the very study of these laws refines the individual and makes out of the individual a better person. As the Talmud teaches in Bavakama, Daflamid Amid Aleph, Rabbi Yehuda taught Haiman, Dubai Lemehevi Chasida, if one wants to be pious and devout, what should he do? He should Lekayim Mile Dinazikin. He should be especially careful to study and fulfill these laws of Nizikin, of damages, the civil law, one to another. I'd like to give, if I can, three examples of this kind of effect of the law upon the individual. The first one comes from Rav Yaakov Naiman, in his Darachim Musar, he points out a very interesting Gemara. The Gemara is found in Bava Kama, Ayin Tes Amid Beis, 69b, whereby the students of Reb Yochanan ben Zakkai asked their teacher, why is it that in this week's parasha we find that the Ganav, the thief, the one who steals in a fashion whereby no one is able to see him, he pays more than the Gazlan, the one who steals in the open. The Ganav pays if he steals an ox or a sheep. The Torah tells us that he's in the end of chapter 21, verse 37, he pays five times the amount of the ox and four times the amount of the sheep. A gazlan, one who steals openly, only pays that which he stole. What's the reason? So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai gave the following answer, that Zeh, when it comes to the Gazlan, Hishva, Kvod Eved, Lekvod Rabo, he equated the honor or the lack of honor to the Eved, to man, as to God, meaning that the Gazlan is not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid of man, he steals in the open, and he's not afraid of God because he is stealing. In contrast, however, the Ganov does not put the two on the same level. He is afraid of man. That's why he steals stealthlessly. He steals when no one can see him, but he is not afraid of God. Therefore, the fact that a Ganov pays Kefel, that a Ganov pays double, or four or five times, is not because of a punishment 
which stems from a violation of man to man, but rather the punishment is because he lacked Yiras Shamayim. He lacked literally that fear of heaven. And that, because he lacked that fear of heaven, is why he stole in the first place. But the manner in which he does, the greater punishment is because he had, unfortunately, a lack of Yiras Shamayim. Now, the same Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who offers this insightful distinction between the Ganov and the Gazlan, that same Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, in the Gemara Brachos 28b, we are taught that literally on his deathbed, his students said to him, Rabbeinu, our teacher, Barcheinu, bless us, give us a good advice prior to your leaving us. And listen to what he said. He said to them, Yehiratzon, may it be the will of God. Shetemora shamayim aleichem, literally that the fear of heaven should be upon you. Like the fear of man. You should fear God as much as you fear man. So his students said to him, Hadkan, is that it? No more? And what did he answer? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Halavai. Would it only be that way? Because take a look, he said, when a person commits a sin in private, he says, as long as no one sees me. But... Really, he's forgetting that someone with a capital S does see him. Now, most fascinating. Take a look. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is talking to his students who were of a rather high caliber. And notes Rav Naiman, it is exactly the same standard that we are holding the Ganov to. We're saying the Ganov, do you know why you're paying more than the Gazlon? Because you lacked Yerashamayim. And what are we asking? What did Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai ask of his students? That again, that same Yerashamayim. So what do we see? We see that each and every person has this capacity. Each and every person has this great potential that he could and should have this relationship with God. So while one could study these laws and say to themselves, wait a second, I don't see oxen, I don't see sheep, I don't see four, I don't see five. What does this have to do with me? And what might I learn therefrom? So the first thing that we're learning therefrom is, wow, the great ideal relationship that each and every person is to have in terms of a proper perspective of a relationship with God. That's number one. Number two, we find in this week's parsha, the Torah says in chapter 23, verse 4, Ki should you chance upon the animal of your enemy who is straying, and literally it is what? To'eh, uh, it is wandering. So the Torah says, instinctively, you might want to say, 
good for him. And I'm not going to get involved. No, says the Torah, you are to return it to him. Now, says the Chafetz Chaim, on this verse, if this is true regarding the monetary possession of the next one, that the Torah says you are to put yourself in his position and you are to realize that for him it's going to be a financial loss and you are to overcome the fact that you don't like that person and still you are to help him, then all the more so if we are to respond to the next person's financial loss, then all the more so we are to respond to their spiritual loss. What does that mean? If I have a neighbor I have a co-worker, I have somebody who is not yet involved in a lifestyle of Torah and mitzvot. I have an obligation to Hoshev Teshivenu Lo, to return him to that lifestyle. And interestingly, the Gemara in Bava Metziah 31a says, why the repetition Hoshev Teshivenu, you shall surely return it to him. So the Talmud says, guess what? Afilu meyapamim, even a hundred times. I know that neighbor down the block, I invited him for Kiddush once, and he's still not Shomer Shabbos. Guess what? Try again, and again, and again, and try this way, and try that way. Wow! There's much more in the parsha than returning a lost animal to its rightful owner. There is the concept of our truly being connected and responsible one for another. A third example of this as to what's found in this week's parsha, The Torah teaches in chapter 23, Pasuk 2, Now what does that mean literally? Do not be a follower of the majority for evil. At first glance, what does it mean? It refers to the case whereby a father says to his child, Oh my goodness, how could you do it? And the child said, Oh come on, Abba, everybody was doing it. So what does the father say? Just because everybody, and the father is right. But that's not what the Torah means. The Torah means something so very different and so very amazing. We know that there are three tiers of the court system. A court of three for monetary cases, a court of 23 for capital cases, and a court of 71 to judge the king, the Kohen Gadol, to go to war. Now, the din is, regarding the court of 23, if I have 12 judges that say a person is uh, innocent and 11 say that he is guilty, understandably, that he's going to be innocent. What if I have 12 judges that say guilty and 11 say innocent? We don't execute. I, the majority, say guilty, and the majority say he deserves to die. So the answer is that we don't follow a simple majority of one to take a life. 
Now you might say to yourself, wait a second, are we going to allow such a person to walk the streets? So the Torah teaches us in that same chapter, 23, verse 7, Kiloat Stik Rasha Hashem says, no, don't worry, I'll take care of that person. But what do we learn from this? We learn from this such a powerful idea, the sacredness of life. And again, it's not simply that today you're going to ask me, do we have courts of 23? That's not the issue. Today what we see, learn from this is the following, that if someone is put on life support, we dare not take that person off life support. We don't use the criteria of society, which has, unfortunately, the quality of life as a criteria. We say that life itself is quality. Sacredness of life is what emerges from this halacha. And so, just as standing at Sinai uplifted our people, so too these halachos, the study of these laws, refines us as we are taught in the first Mishnah of the sixth chapter of Avos, Machsharto Lios Tzadik. Studying these laws refines our character. Shabbat Shalom to all. Thank 
Solomon with a selection entitled Adol Alam off of the uh, Mizrach Shemesh CD. JM and the AM Friday morning. Don't forget our social media. Facebook update page is Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net. Naomi Nachman is going to be talking Australia coming up next on jmtheam.org. She's got a whole Australia theme for Table for Two. Then a big, big, big edition of our Erev Shabbos music mix from 10 a.m. until candle lighting time. Make sure to be tuned in at jmnam.org. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos than with our incredible uh, Friday morning, or I should say, uh, Erev Shabbos music mix. 
Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmnam.org. Matis with JM Sunday starting at 7 o'clock Eastern Time live from Frigid, New Jersey. Coming up uh, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. on the stream at jmnam.org. Make sure to catch that. Check out our community calendar online. If you go to jmnam.org, click on Community Calendar, you'll see a uh, listener-controlled community calendar that you can go to and uh, post whatever event you have in your area. Uh, Soul Farm had Lachad Odi off the very best of Kalbach Chabad and Breslov CD. Yitzchak Fuchs had Anav Koach from Imam Akim, and we're getting set to uh, wrap up this week. Erev Shabbos Parshas Mishpatim with candle lighting at 4.44 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.44. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph will be Friday and Shabbos of next week. The cold... Frigid weather continues, 11 degrees, the high of 18. Tonight, a low of 14. Tomorrow night, a low of 11. And next week, we're talking about lows, believe it or not, officially below zero in this area. That's what I saw online. So pretty crazy, huh, to say the least. Want to welcome the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. If you read page 23 of this morning's New York Times, that would be one way that you would know that they are both that both teams are staying right here, practically across the street in Jersey City in the two large hotels in this area. So welcome to the NFL's best to Jersey City from all of us at JM and the AM. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into Throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine man and his creator is a very special sign
there's nothing left to do. Go on home and find the gift that's waiting there for you. Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos, cause all your work is done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very, 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 very special our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. And that will wrap up another amazing week of programming for us here at JMNAM. Naomi Nachman is next on the web with Table for Two starting at 9 o'clock, just a minute from now. And then our amazing Erev Shabbos music stream. Make sure to be tuned in all the way until candle lighting time. Tomorrow night, Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull starting at 10 o'clock. And Dematis with JM Sunday, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Until uh, next time, Nachum Seagull reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Yeah.